Hey folks, welcome to this extra segment of Prognosis Ohio. I'm your host, Dan Skinner. When we move the show back to every other week episodes to give ourselves a little space to breathe, we also wanted to create some opportunities for reactions and processing the discussions we have with our guests. As I noted in the last episode, our hope is to pull more out of each episode. Luckily, our friend Rob Moore, principal at Scioto Analysis, had a few thoughts, as well as a bunch of data, to give us a bit more perspective on last week's episode, which featured an interview with Dr. Sharon Parsons, an Ohio-based dentist and immediate past president of the Ohio Dental Association. I'll turn to Rob in a moment, but I want to add that in addition to supporting the show, which you can do for just $3 a month through Patreon, as well as telling your friends about us, we also hope that you'll engage with us on social media. You can find out all the ways to do this by visiting prognosisohio.com. Also, while we love talking with Rob, and he's fantastic, we'd also love to talk with you. If you have a reaction to an episode or want to share some additional thoughts, even if that means you'd like to take issue with something we say, or maybe engage with me on a segment, please let us know. We're always open to doing some short reactions and follow-up conversations for the episodes. Okay, here's my conversation with someone who needs no introduction on this show, Rob Moore of Scioto Analysis. So Rob, from time to time, when I put an episode out, it occurs to me that maybe you have something to say about it, or you reach out to me and say, hey, you know, there's there's some cool data that we might want to talk about a little bit more, which I love. I love that kind of enthusiasm. It's exactly what we want on Prognosis Ohio. So thanks for taking a little time to give us what you got. Yeah, always, Dan. So what do you got? I mean, so, so you uh, are a you know, data analyst, uh, you work in all sorts of different areas, many of them health related, but not just. Um, and you, I'm guessing by now have listened to, digested, memorized certain parts of my interview with Dr. Sharon Parsons, the yeah. immediate past president of the Ohio Dental Association. Wonder uh, where that sent your mind going. Wanted to give listeners just a little bit more to chew on after that episode. Yeah. And, you know, you and I had talked a little bit about this ODH data that had come out on oral health of adults in Ohio. And that's some good stuff on school children in that too. The ODH, by the way, newly with a, uh, a leader at the helm. So that's, that's big news here in yeah. Ohio that we actually have a head for the Ohio Department of Health. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who's willing to go through and actually take that job at this like really, you know, difficult and crucial time. Right. So tell us what the ODH stuff says, what it tells us and, you know, anywhere else you want to uh, take the conversation. Yeah. Well, they had some really cool data where they were looking at like school children and their approach to oral health and how much um, school children have been able to get oral uh, health treatment over the past 20 years. There is some really, I mean, there's a lot of positive stuff over this, you know, since the late nineties, how things look. Um, more children are going to the dentist more children are getting more uh, treatment than uh, 20 years ago. It was like probably like three out of three out of four children were going, had been in the dentist in the past year in the late nineties. And now it's up to more like 85% or so. And the number of un uh, children with untreated cavities has gone from about one in four to more like one in five um, over the past couple of years. So we're seeing a lot of improvements when it comes to children's health. You know, and we like to knock Ohio from time to time because we fall at the bottom of some of the important rankings nationally in certain areas. But on the episode, uh, when I talked to Dr. Parsons, she makes clear that 
oral health, dental care, uh, especially because of our Medicaid program, is, is, is an area that we actually do pretty well with. Yeah, and um, really, the, the, in this report, what really comes forth as the big negative are the disparities. And there are just some crazy disparities that come between higher income and lower income and higher education and lower education Ohioans. Uh, for example, a poor Ohioan is twice as likely to have lost six or more teeth than a middle class or upper class Ohioan. And they're uh, three times as likely to have lost all their teeth than a middle class or uh, a rich Ohioan. So those disparities are purely economic disparities then? I mean, it's, it's correlation. So there, you know, there could be things going both ways, but there's something related there with, um, you know, folks who are making over $50,000 a year versus folks who are making under $15,000 a year and uh, tooth loss. And of course, this is part of the broader conversation that, you know, I'm never shocked to learn uh, that there's disparity in just about any area of healthcare. COVID was another example of this, like big shocker that there was massive racial and economic disparity in COVID care, because that's how our healthcare system is designed to a large extent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, especially when you look at uh, like access to uh, health insurance and and also just geographic access, which I kind of want to get into a little bit later, but first I wanted to go over some of this education stuff. Yeah. The disparities in education are even more striking. Uh, if you're a high school dropout, you're four times more likely to have lost six or more teeth than someone who's a college graduate. And if you, and you're also nine times as more likely to have lost all your teeth than a college graduate. Jeez. Wow. We're talking about education as a social determinant that tells us so much about everything in our state. Ohio is one of the few states, maybe the only state, I haven't looked it up recently, but that lacks statewide health education standards. So also, there's a big question about what, if anything, kids are learning in schools about this, and that could be a driver in this area if we were to get there. Yeah, and something that stood out to me when I was listening to the um, interview that this episode is based off of is this question of CEUs for dental care uh, providers. So when we talk about access, we're not only talking about access to insurance, but we're also talking about geographic access. Right. So how long does it take for you to drive to get to a dentist? Uh, can you get your teeth cleaned um, from someone who's a dentist or can it be someone who's you know licensed alternatively? Um, how hard is it for someone to move from, say, West Virginia or Pennsylvania or Kentucky to practice dentistry in the state of Ohio? All of these are things that are determined by state policy. And the medical field is one that sort of calls for the most, um, like very, seems very reasonably, right? To say, hey, these folks need to have a lot of education. We need to make sure that they're licensed in our state. Um, but a lot of those can be barriers to practice. And it can be something that can make it more and more difficult for someone to come into the state and be able to practice. But folks who are in, who are making those rules are usually folks who are on uh, like licensing boards for the state, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who are usually folks who don't want people to come in and practice because that's just going to put downward pressure on their wages. Right. This is something I talk with the students I work with a lot, which is we are often calling for more. We want more primary care physicians or more nurses or you know more people to fill our workforce needs. But sometimes when you look under into the kind of the dark workshop of how things work, 
there's imposed scarcity because that's one of the, you know, keep keeping your practice, keeping your profession uh, well paid and respected often requires it being scarce. Yeah. You know, even not assuming any nefarious, you know, uh, workings or anything. Oh, no, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> I very much do assume nefarious workings. But, <laughs> but I'm saying, go, go on. <laughs> I'm saying if you weren't to, if you were to say, okay, we yeah. just want more, we want there to be more access, like more geographic access to, say, dental care in this situation. But we also want to make sure that there's a uh, higher quality. Those are actually two things that are at odds with each other to a certain extent. Because if you want to ensure higher quality, that means cutting lower quality providers out. And by lower quality, a lot of times it just means, like, how do we measure lower quality? It means, have you taken this many CEUs? Have you got this sort of education? Uh, Have you gone in front of our licensing board? And who's being cut out of that? It's new people to the state. Uh, A lot of times it's minorities who want to break into the profession. A lot of times it's immigrants. It's incredible. I mean, I'm sure everyone's got a story about an Uber driver they were talking to who was a doctor in their hometown across, you know, overseas, but now drives Uber here, you know? Right. And they may be able to provide care to people here, but because of licensing restrictions, it can be very difficult to do that. Yeah. Anything else, you know, in terms of the geographic uh, focus you wanted to add into this? That was my main interest was to talk about how, you know, we, it's very well-meaning to want to have, you know, higher standards for dentists. um, But that sometimes those higher standards can mean it's harder and harder to break into the profession. Oh, sorry. I do have one thing that I wanted to add on that. Yeah. Was that there's a lot of pressure in a lot of states. And I don't know the details of these rules in a place like Ohio. There's a lot of pressure in a lot of states to not allow dental assistants to practice on their own, to say that they have to have oversight from dentists. You know, with good meaning, you want to make sure that there's good quality there. But often when the teeth cleaning is happening, your dentist doesn't even come into the room, hasn't even come into the room at that point. Right. I, I, I've barely met my dentist, if, if I'm totally truthful about it. It's this person who comes in at the end to say, okay, everything, uh, you did a good job to the people who actually did most of the work. Yeah. And if you look at a place like, and my mind just keeps on going to um, like Southeast Ohio, where you have very low population, it's very spread out. And there are a lot of places where someone might want to set up their own teeth cleaning business, but not want to go through the many years it takes to get a license to be a dentist, but is qualified to clean clean teeth. But a lot of times is cut out of being able to do that because of the requirements for oversight, which are usually advocated for by people who have more political capital who are, you know, dentists generally have a lot more political capital than the, uh, than the teeth cleaners do. Well, you teed up nicely something we're going to be doing on this show which is looking at various aspects of the health uh, professions, right? And people that maybe our listeners won't really know much about. I mean, the dynamic you described there between dental assistants and dentists is very much, is, is similar to what we see with physician assistants, physicians, and some of these so-called scope of practice conversations about, you know, what does everybody bring to the table? What should be the legal arrangement for people's ability to practice independently? And how does that factor into our attempts to get people where we need them to be to meet our workforce needs, to get dentists, for example, or physicians into rural areas and, and things like that? 
So anything else you want to add, Rob? That's all I've got. Thanks, yeah. Well, so listen, uh, listeners have just heard, and I mean this totally seriously, have heard kind of what it's like when I just call you up to say hi. We <laughs> often launch into data, uh, various reports you've read. It's one of the reasons why I love talking to you, Rob. And I'm glad that we can do this and just give people a glimpse into some of what you're thinking and how you respond to episodes, but also share a little bit more and, and dig a little deeper. So we'll keep doing this. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Dan. This is great. I love your show and it's great to be on it. Great. Thanks, Rob. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by me, Dan Skinner, and produced by Dan Skinner and Mark Franz. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show, follow us on Twitter at, at @prognosisohio, friend us on Facebook, and check out our new website at prognosisohio.com. As always, we encourage you to reach out via email or social media with your suggestions, your feedback, ideas for themes, and ideas for guests. And also, remember to subscribe to the show so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks very much and be well.